coffee and your Bible. Good morning. Today is Fear Not Friday. And it's also the third day of February, year of our Lord 2023. This is Daybreak Live with the Nesbats. All right. Good morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. So this morning we're going to sing a song that Lisa popped in our head this morning. It's uh, a group called Big Daddy Weave. It's a really good song. We love it. And it's a response song. Because one of the parts says, as I lift up my hands, I make my choice. As I lift up my hands. And so it's one that if you agree with the song and you want to join in with the song, uh, then you can praise the Lord with this prayer. God of glory, God of might, King of heaven, Lord of Master, Savior, friend, mercy seems to have no end, and though all I have to bring is sin, I come to praise you, and my righteousness is as filthy Changing through all the good things. 
Nickname was Big Daddy, right? And he and his last name was Weaver. Weaver. Mike Weaver, I believe. Forgot about that song, but Lisa reminded us of that song this morning, and it's like, yeah, that's a good song. Did I take that off? I think. Sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. Woo. With my life as a sacrifice of praise, it means when I get ready and tempted to grumble or be unkind or anything, I will remember. Amen, I am Mama. So not there, but I so long to be. <laughs> Amen. Okay, guys, we're in the book of Titus. I remind you a couple of things this morning. Uh, Brother Charles, would you endorse this book? Do you think? Yes, I would. You would. So here's a book. It's Just. Not Brother Brother Charles just got done reading it. It's not an easy read, he said. Uh, I have listened to the book. This is actually my book. I've not read it, but I've listened to it. Uh, so it's easier to listen to, maybe. <laughs> it has to read. But it is a very, very good book, speaking of the times uh, that we're living in, basically making a case for from the, what would you say, from the 60s on, that the old gods of the world, demons, that were worshipped in the Canaanite cultures are in America now. And when you when we realize Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, we know that we fight against powers and principalities. And so Brother Jonathan Kahn, which is a, I would say, a, a modern-day prophet of our time, 
a wonderful brother in the Lord. He's wrote, he has written a lot of, a lot of books, but this might be his most controversial. Uh, but basically, there's a lot of things going on today, and it's been going on for a long time, that are way out of God's will. Evil's being called good. Good is being called evil. And it is a return of the Canaanite or Baal gods, Ashtoreth, just couched and uh, called something different. All right. I was thinking about how all the things that we have heard are going to happen in the last days are happening. Yep. You know, I, I see kids out in public today. I see them talk to their parents like none of our generation would have ever, ever, you know, and just so many things are lining up. And so it, many. You know, Amen. it's exciting and frightening all at the same time, but it's yeah. Fear Not Friday, so we don't need to be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Fear not Friday. And we are at the beginning, I I believe. Now, you guys don't have to believe this. And, and that and I wouldn't even try to put, I wouldn't be like, oh, I think it'll be this many years, this many years. I don't know that. But it just feels in my spirit that we're right in the beginnings of the very end. I mean, things that take, the way technology is moving, the globalization that is happening, all of these things just really shout to me. As you look at the scripture, it's like, it, it's it's like you can pick up the Bible and and then look at the world and look at the Bible and look at the world and go, oh, yeah, it's happening, which is what we're supposed to do because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, "I tell you all these things before they happen, or before they come to pass, so that when they come to pass, you may know that I am He." So that's that's the point. What's it supposed to do when we read the Bible and then we look out in the world and we see it happening? It's supposed to rise up within us the reality. Jesus is who he says he is. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is God in the flesh. And he knows all things. We're in the epistle of Paul the Apostle to Titus. If you've been with us this week, then you know that... Uh, Titus is in Crete, and uh, Crete is an island, and it's a wicked island. It's an island where they really they 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 held in the in the days of Paul. They held that many of the gods were born there, but specifically Zeus, they thought was from there, and Zeus was a womanizer, and Zeus was a. Uh, uh, Zeus was a womanizer, very immoral, and, and, and he would lie. And the Cretans were known for their lying, actually. And I did jot this down. I don't, say, I don't think I said it yesterday. I put it somewhere. Cretizo, the, uh, the word cretizo, the Greek word, meant a liar. And that's, it was, that was what the word meant. It became so synonymous with the people of Crete. They were liars, and they were proud of it who are womanizers, and they were proud of it. Sexual immorality was very prevalent in the land. Now, the gospel went there. I shared with you also, we, we looked at how the gospel, there were Jews in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost from Crete. There was Christian Jews there. Now, they heard and they received, they were part of the group that, was, that received 
the the preaching of the word on the day of Pentecost when the apostles were preaching and the tongues of fire divided the tongues. Everybody heard in their own language. Among them were Cretans, and they took that gospel back to Crete. But by the time that Paul and Barnabas is there, this is years later, it has become corrupt. The leaders in the church is corrupt. The the uh, the church is not like it ought to be. It's 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 like off course. You know, sometimes uh, what the Lord sends is people to get the church back on course because over a period of time, what had happened is the church, the believers had kind of merged Christian thought in with the uh, Christianity, believing in Jesus, Yeshua thought, and kind of merged that together and you had a kind of an ungodly Christianity. We could say it today that what could happen in, in culture because people adapt instead of the church changing the culture, the, the culture kind of merges into the church, and so things become askew. Now, this was much easier back at this time, if you think about it, when there were no actual New Testament letters in Crete. I mean, they heard the gospel, they heard the preaching, they believed, maybe they were baptized, but they didn't really have all the rest of the teachings yet, and that's the early days of the church, that's what was happening. They were establishing the churches. Well, that's one of the things that Paul is doing with leaving Titus in Crete. He says, I want you to set things in order. Things are out of order. And I want you to set things in order. And we find, we're going to find out later, we won't get to it today, but there were leaders in the church. And, and Paul says, of the circumcision means there was Jewish leadership. When you see that word of the circumcision, it's talking about Jewish leaders, okay? But they have been corrupt in the church. And Paul says, I want you to establish on my authority, on Paul's authority as an apostle, now Titus is going to establish eldership in every city. He's going to put elders in each city and ordain them in each city and so that they can direct the church of Jesus Christ, okay? And we also learn in here that elder and bishop are synonymous with each other. A bishop just simply means an overseer. It's what the word means. It's an overseer, and an elder is an overseer. Elder kind of points to uh, having some age on them, right? Not a novice. I mean, you know, a 16-year-old does not become an elder. Uh, so he's got some practical wisdom in him. So elder kind of points more to being seasoned. You know, he doesn't have to be old, okay, but he does have to be seasoned and mature. Does that make sense? Okay, and then he also calls him a bishop, which means he's watching over a superintendent, one who is a bishop, an overseer. Okay, so let's go ahead and read verse 5 again. Really today is 6 through 9, but it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. There's things that are lacking. The church, they believe, but there's a lot that they don't know. Now, this is very important. Uh, it, is, it is not good. Like, I love revivals. I do a lot of revivals. Don't do as much now as they used to. But people don't have as many revivals now as they used to. But in a revival, 
you know, it's evangelical and you're preaching, you know, repent, believe, repent, believe, come to Jesus, right? And so we do this and we, but that's good. But when someone comes to faith and they repent and believe on Jesus, that's a big hallelujah. But if they do not stay connected, if somebody does not uh, teach them and disciple them, then then they can continue another 40 years and they can still be babies in Christ, not know anything except for, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, there's a lot more to the Christian walk than just believing. It starts at believing. Would you amen that, Brother Charles? Amen. Lisa? It starts at believing. That's where it begins. That's where you get on the road. Now, I repented and I believed and now I begin this road. And my first walk of faith is I'm baptized, and that baptism says, what's that baptism say? I'm pledging my life to the God of heaven and earth. I'm pledging my life that the old man is dead, and I come out of the water to walk in a brand new way. My life is going to be different now, right? But then you can, but you can be baptized, and then you can maybe attend church once in a while and still know nothing. There, you can still be lacking. So the point is, he's putting him here, and he's saying, you know, he's saying, I want you to set in order the things that are lacking. You know, we don't need to be lacking. We need to learn. So if you've only been saved a year or two, that's one thing. Or if you've been saved, well, I've been saved about four or five years, that's another thing. But if you've been saved for 20 years, 10 years, you should know a lot about the Bible and a lot about the Christian faith. Because you have pledged that you're going to follow Jesus. Now, you need to know what he teaches. You're following the apostles. What do they teach? Yes, babe. Speak loud, remember. I'm just saying, this, this is exactly how you end up with cultures who claim to be Christian and have really no idea other than naming the name of Jesus. What it means to be a Christian. What it means to be exactly. a Christian. Because they mix in everything they've ever known with just a little bit of, oh, Jesus, and, and that's how you end up with situations like that. And you end up, I mean, truths, which are biblical foundational truths that we all hold to, that we are saved by grace, you know, through faith or by grace, by faith through uh, grace, we are saved, that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, which is true. But if you don't become discipled, then you end up with a lot of people thinking that means grace is a license to sin and now it don't matter you know, uh, what I do or how I live, yeah, it, it matters. It matters a lot. Yes. Well, and that accepting, <clears throat> excuse me, that accepting baptism is a symbol of being buried to sin and raised, raised. to life in Christ Jesus. Amen, brother. Amen. That's the truth. But see, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. You know, I, I, I got serious about God at 27. <clears throat> I've been saved since I was 12. But I didn't know this. Okay. He says now in verse 6, If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, uh, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. A lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, 
holding fast the faithful word if he, as he has been taught, that he may by, be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convict those who contradict. So he's saying, I want you to appoint elders in the city. And these elders, there needs to be some qualifications for them. And the point is, is so they can be an example of what Christianity is supposed to look like. Their life is to become or be an example of what Christianity is supposed to look like. So let's take these one at a time. And there will be disagreements in as we go through here. There could be disagreements. But I want to share with you the best I can. If a man is blameless without blame, and then it says the husband of one wife. Now, what does this mean? This is, there's generally, there's three different ways of looking at this. Three ways of, that have been looked at this throughout the years. And we need to talk about them. And you may notice, let's say that you get to this scripture and you read this in an NIV, a New International Version, and it says, uh, faithful to his wife. It says, if any man be blameless, faithful to his wife. And you say, well, why does it say faithful to his wife? And why do others say the husband of one wife? Well, there's three different interpretations to this. One, the most literal view is that he can't be a polygamist. He's not to have more than one wife. And, you know, or he can't have a wife and then concubines, as in the Roman Empire happened quite a bit, right? And this was not to be of someone who was going to be a leader of the church. The second view uh because the literal in the Greek, literally from the Greek, it says a one-woman man. That's what it says. So he's a one-woman man, which means he's a faithful husband. And this, where the, this is where the interpretation comes as faithful husband, or why some would render it a faithful husband. That is, he is faithful. He's not lewd. He's not chasing women. An elder doesn't need to be a woman chaser. Okay. Now, the third one, and, and this is a very popular one. It means uh, people take that it never divorced, that he's never divorced and be, been remarried. And that's a very popular one as well. Now, the reason that the third one is a little hard to put in here, the reason is because even under the law of God, which everyone agrees is holy, there was an allowance for divorce. Now, it wasn't God's primary wasn't desire. Plan. It wasn't his plan. But because of the wickedness of man, God did allow divorce, and for reasons. And, and also it was allowed, or it was thought, uh, because it, the Bible even says that God divorced Judah. He divorced Israel. And so in this, we, we wouldn't say that God says, I'm divorcing you. I'm putting you away. And so the thought is, well, is it actually talking about divorce? Here's another thing is... When someone comes to the Lord, the, the point is not who they have been in their life, but who they are now. Yeah. Does that make sense? So the Apostle Paul was a murderer. He was a murderer. and But he's not a murderer anymore. And so the point is, now he's saved and now he's walking in the light. Now, though I don't think that divorce is in the picture here, I would say this. I would say this concerning I certainly believe that it would apply to a man that has now been serving the Lord and now he's a, a worker of the Lord and now he's frivolous with marriage. 
If that, does that make sense? There's only one reason that the Lord Jesus gives, and some people don't believe he gives a reason, but there is a reason, according to uh, 19, you know, except it be the cause of fornic for fornication. So there, many people do believe there is a reason for divorce, that there's a biblical grounds for divorce. And so if there's a biblical grounds for divorce, then this wouldn't be talking about this. And also, it wouldn't be talking about something in the past that's not been repented of. Does that make sense? What it is talking about is now. So my view actually goes, my view, my understanding of this, my particular view of this, what'd you say? My particular view goes with, as I've been studying scripture with scripture, that the most accurate for me comes from the Greek one woman man, that he's a faithful man, regardless who he used to be. See, it doesn't also mean that he has to be married. Some people say, well, he's got to be married. Well, Paul wasn't married. Jesus wasn't married. So he wouldn't be saying he has to be married. But what he is, the point to this is an elder, a bishop, needs to be faithful. He needs to be a good man. He needs to be a one-woman man. Listen, one woman is enough. He sure don't need to be trying to juggle more than one <laughs> Amen. and care for the flock. Now, I know there's a lot of debate and a lot of discussion over that. But guys, you, you've got to you got to get look, when we come to the Lord, if a man comes to the Lord, I don't if he comes to the Lord and he's sixty years old and he gets saved, guess what? All his history's wiped away. Don't you agree with that? Oh yeah. It, all of his whatever he's done wrong in his life isn't there anymore. And such and now, are some of you. Yeah, and such were some of you. And now he can be baptized and now he can walk. In, in righteousness with the Lord, and he can become a leader in the church of the Lord if he's faithful. That's the point. He's faithful. Okay, next, it says, point elders in every city, if a man's blameless, so he's blameless, husband of one wife, okay, okay, now here's one thing it does say, and somebody's going to get mad at me, I know somebody's going to get mad at me, but I do not see in Scripture where women are to be elders, pastors, or bishops in the church, okay? Now, I know, and go ahead and say what you want to, but husband of one wife, there, we, may can, we may debate on what's that mean, husband of one wife means, and throughout history it's been, but husband is in, that's not debatable. You know, you can't pull that up today and mean, oh, a husband is a, is a, a woman that's married to a woman and she's oh, faithful, okay. Right. okay? And churches going down this path are off course. They're like the church in Crete. And I wish that somebody could come in and, and establish what is lacking in these places, guys, because there's a lot of perversions and wickedness going on. And I'm simply a believer in the Bible. And, and so... That makes you mad. You probably don't want to listen to Daybreak because I believe in the Bible, and I believe now. Let that being said, okay, hold on. I understand. I do understand that there are situations and times when the most mature one that can lead in an area is a woman, and I understand cultures and places where there's no godly men anywhere. I understand that, but here's the point. When there are godly men, 
godly men should be leading. Amen? And even if it's an area where for a time there were no men that will step up because this is sad to say, but there are times when there are no good godly men anywhere around. And you better believe God will use a woman. So I understand all the shades. But just like when God allowed Deborah to, to rule. be a judge over Israel, it, it was to, to the, the shame. The men's shame. And it's a shame. It's a shame if you can when we can't find godly men in the church. Oh, I'm gonna cry. It's a shame. And if that makes you mad, you need to listen today, brother. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You hear Megan in there? Amen. She can't find no godly man either. <laughs> Amen. By the way, we're looking for a godly man for Megan. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway. Um, I do want to say that women are just as part of the Great Commission. Oh, yes. Absolutely. We are to go out, spread the word, share the word. But as far as being leadership, ladies, we got plenty to do already. Okay. And women can prophesy. There's prophetesses in the Bible. Paul's, Paul simply says, when a woman is prophesying, let her be covered, let her head be covered. And what he's meaning by that, that was a symbol in the culture of being under authority. It just simply meant, yes, she can prophesy, but she needs to prophesy under authority. Does that make, make sense? She needs to respect the authority of her husband and authority of the church. Amen. Amen? Okay. So then he says, a husband of one wife, so he's a faithful husband, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Children are a qualification also for the man that's going to lead the church. I'm way over. 30 minutes. Daggum. Okay. Dissipation means rioting. Insubordination means lawbreakers. And it is important what the children of people that are leading the church are like. Because it reveals the kind of leadership of the man. Does that make sense? It, it shows leadership. And basically what he ends up saying, he says it in other pastoral epistles, because if the man can't guide his home, how do you think he's going to guide the church of God? Amen. That's the point. Ah, love you. <laughs> so I'm not really sorry that I went over because I really believe I was caught up in the teaching and preaching of the word right there. So I love you guys. Thank you, Diane. I can keep going. You love it. I love you guys. Megan, Miss Peggy says he's out there. God will send him. He's going to send him your way. Thank you. And Miss Peggy, we are praying that you are prophesying. In Jesus' name. All right. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great, great weekend. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Next week, we'll take up from where we left off. I love all of you very much. You be blessed over the weekend. Assemble with saints somewhere. Sing and praise the Lord and pray together in Jesus' name. Shabbat shalom, everybody. See you next week. Bye.